Before we get going into your Hockey IQ podcast episode, I want to thank our sponsor, Rapid Shot. Rapid Shot is the smart shooting lane. Uh, it's like a batting cage for hockey players. Very cool. Tracks your shot in three ways. Accuracy, shot speed, and reaction time. Uh, easy to use. Uh, actually, I used it when I played and was growing up. Very easy. Simply scan your phone in, select your settings, and start shooting. Uh, you can see your stats on the app and online. And you can check them out at rapidshot.com. Uh, great small business. I actually grew up with one of the owner's sons and have played with all the family members by now. Uh, just in local pickups here in Ohio. Very cool local business. Awesome product. I love it. I know quite a few NHLers have them in their homes. Uh, a lot of D1 programs have it at their rinks. So you have to check this out. Rapidshot.com. Check it out. Rapidshot, thank you so much for sponsoring our podcast. On the Hockey IQ podcast today, we bring on the biggest masshole out there, uh, Smot Scouting, founder and CEO, and president and scout and everything else, uh, Josh Tesler. Welcome, Josh. And Greg, and thank you so much for having me on, buddy. And uh, yeah, I am a masshole and... and uh, Proud I, of it. Yeah, and I'm damn proud of it. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Well, hey, you know, Northeastern uh, future grad, uh, any other mass holes, uh, accolades you'd like to add to that? I see a Red Sox uh, pennant in the background, so yeah. filling them up. Yep. And uh, yeah, and I, yeah, and the Mets have actually became my NL adopted team. So, uh, uh, so unfortunately, I was traveling last night and, um, uh, and I, uh, and I missed game three, but, I guess it's a good thing that I missed game three because uh, uh, as soon as soon as I got off the plane, I looked at the score and I was just like, oh, "Oh man, I'm wearing a Mets hat in the airport," and and I really hope no one says anything to me because I wasn't like I I like I was just like it's ten thirty at night. I want to get home. Like I don't want to talk to people like about like about the game. Like no, no. So like it. So like I was in like tunnel vision mode. Like got to get to the uber get like get in the uber get home eat something because well, i had no time for food <laughs> well my man uh fortunately we're not talking baseball and your poor taste in sports teams we're talking hockey tonight couldn't be more excited uh so you've you've been a long time scout here uh you've sometimes gone against the grain but i feel like smart scouting has got to be one of the go-to resources uh especially for those that don't want to pay uh, an arm and a leg to to get good quality content out there. Um, and whenever I'm drafting my fantasy team and I got to look at the New Year's recruits because uh, I don't have time for that, uh, you, you pop right up. And every time I'm like, I'd rather <laughs> do this scouting report than others. So I'm curious to see um, why you started in the first place because it's a lot of work. Um, and secondly, from that, how have you decided to put together a team? Because uh, good help is hard to find. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so in terms of, um, sorry, in terms of starting smart scouting. Um, so yeah, so I, um, so early on during the pandemic, um, you know, I did, yeah, I decided to go and pursue, um, a MBA. Um, so I, yeah, so I applied and got into 10 Northeastern, but at the, the same time, um, you know, I was doing prospect work for future considerations, um, and, uh, and Dauber prospects. And I, you know, and I still wanted to continue doing prospecting, but at the same point, um, I didn't want deadlines hanging over me. Um, you know, and so I thought, you know, if I, you know, if I started my own thing, you know, um, you know, I, you know, I absolutely wouldn't have that, you know, I wouldn't have that problem at, at all because, you know, cause I would be, um, you know, cause I would, I would be in control um, you know, of uh, my work schedule, um, you know, and so I started to roll out content. Um, and then I had one buddy hit me up. So I had Alex Appleyard. Um, yeah, so he hit me up, uh, way, uh, way back when, um, and Alex, um, um, you know, and Alex was, you know, I mean, like he very, very much wants to do prospecting, um, you know, and, you know, and want to write regular reports, um, you know, and, 
Um, yeah. And so he joined the team, um, you know, and he was basically like the de facto European guy. Um, so he's, um, you know, and yeah, so he, so he was the first guy that I brought on and I brought on S- Stephen Ellis, um, you know, and so, um, you know, and after, um, you know, and, and after we had, you know, a few guys, you know, I wanted to just, you know, added, um, sorry, I wanted to add more and more and more, you know, so that way we had, you know, more coverage, um, you know, and so now we have uh, a bunch of crossover scouts because I, because I love having crossover guys. And, and I think, and I think one, um, you know, and, and I think people, you know, tend to, you know, forget the value of what a crossover scout means because, you know, oftentimes you have a scout that's, you know, focused on like one particular league or one particular region and they don't really get a handle on, you know, who, you know, who is in the other region, you know, so that way I can compare, you know, the, you know, these guys in my, in my region to, you know, to, you know, to guys in that region. And so I like the value of, you know, of having, a scout that, you know, is in multiple, you know, is, is in multiple camps, so to speak. Um, you know, and I, and, and I definitely think that that brings value, you know, you know, and at the same point, like I love goaltender scouts, um, you know, and I, um, you know, and while I didn't, you know, while actually I haven't brought one on and and I feel like people are a little scared about, you know, um, you know, about, you know, being a goaltender scout, because I feel like, cause like, I feel like goaltending, like to really scout it is like, it, it, I mean, like in terms of public, I, I'm, I'm sorry, like in terms of public work, it's very, it's very, very, very niche. Like people do it, but they don't, you know, like every, like every report reads, you know, like reads like the same, like there's nothing like there's nothing that really like separates, you know, out, you know, you know, goalie A versus, you know, versus goalie B. And so, um, and so I, and so I, I, at the same point, like, I, I understand people are, you know, a little bit, you know, worried, you know, and think goalies are voodoo, um, you know, but they aren't. Um, and so what, so what I, so what I want to do is I didn't want to bring on someone to be the goaltender scout. I kind of, I kind of wanted to be the goaltender scout. Um, you know, and so, um, you know, so even though I don't focus on goaltending exclusively, you know, I wanted a firm, you know, grasp in terms of, you know, what, um, you know, like what, you know, like what goaltenders, you know, met the, you know, you know, met the standard for me, you know, in terms of, you know, goaltenders that I was confident in, you know, to be, um, um, you know, to, um, you know, to be a capable NHL goaltender. And so I look at, I look, I look at guys like, um, Benjamin Goudreau, um, you know, from the 2021 draft where I feel like people, you know, um, you know, I feel like people undervalued him. Like, you know, he, you know, he didn't have an OHL season. And so, you know, that definitely hurt him, but, you know, in terms of his U18 play that year, man, it popped like he, I mean, like he was a beast and I mean, he, he, he was a beast in that. And, um, you know, and I love, um, you know, and I love the, the glove work, the speed, you know, he's, you know, he's capable of making 10 bell saves like his at, like he's got wicked good athleticism, um, you know, and so, so question for you here. So when you're talking about good glove work, what, what are you looking for? So, yeah. So generally speaking, um, so, you know, so if a goaltender saves, um, I'm sorry, if a, if a goaltender can get a lot of like medium and high danger glove saves, great. Um, low, low danger. I don't really care that much about it's because with low danger, unless you're facing like, unless the goaltender's got a lot of traffic out in front of him, I expect the goaltender to make the glove save, you know, if, you know, if they're, you know, if they're tracking the puck. So, um, and if, and if they're not, you know, then that's, then that's a, a, then that's a red flag. Um, because, you know, because a goaltender should not be giving up, um, you know, a ton of, um, you know, a ton of low danger chances, you know? So I, you know, so I don't, 
you know, so if a goaltender is giving up a lot of them, well, that's certainly a red, a red flag for me. And, um, you know, uh, but, you know, but yeah, so I, but the things that I value are speed and rebound control. Um, and for me, um, you know, I, you know, I, I, I just felt like when people looked at goaltenders, like people often talk about re, re, like rebound control, but there were very, very few people that actually tracked it. So, um, so I started to do it. And then I realized that Cole Anderson who was hired by the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, he like, you know, I, um, you know, like I, like I called him the godfather of like, you know, of like rebound control, you know, data, because, you know, um, when he was doing public work, you know, that, uh, you know, uh, you know, he put out data and he put, um, you know, visuals, I can't remember if it was Tableau or not, but yeah, like he, you know, but he was the, you know, he was the, the godfather and, um, and I remember he did it on the NHL side as well. So he wasn't just NHL draft focused. Um, but then, you know, but like I, you know, but, you know, but I, I saw that as, oh, you know, it's a, you know, it's an area for me to go, um, you know, you know, take on because at, you know, cause at that point, nobody else is doing it. And so I began doing it, uh, two years ago. Um, you know, and I, you know, and I enjoy it quite a bit. Um, you know, of course, um, you know, for me, when I look at the last two years, um, in terms of like the goaltender, uh, talent, you know, there are more goaltenders where, you know, I feel like there's a solid chance of, you know, them having a solid NHL career, you know, in the 2021 draft versus the 2022, you know, you're, um, you know, so, you know, because like you look at, you know, cause you look at Jesper Wallstedt, you know, you look at Sebastian Kosa and Benjamin Goudreau. And I definitely feel like those guys are very, very much, you know, NHL capable, you know, and, and, you know, and potentially NHL star worthy, um, you know, because, you know, cause like, um, you know, because what, you know, cause what Jesper Wallstedt has been able, I mean, uh, sorry, um, has been able to do, you know, throughout, you know, his, uh, you know, his youth career, like, I mean, he did extremely well in that, um, you know, when he was playing in the SHL during his draft year, like just, you know, just a, you know, just a fantastic goaltender, like his, like his data was off the charts. Um, and, you know, last year um, in terms of the, you know, in terms of the goaltenders, none of them really said NHL star to me. But they were all more like, there's an NHL capable guy, you know, you know, and they're, you know, and they're, you know, and, and there were definitely, and there were definitely plenty. And, you know, and, and for, and for teams, it was, you know, it was who is your, you know, I mean, you know, like who is your favorite goaltender that, you know, that, you know, that, you know, that you see being, NA, you know, that you see being NHL capable. And, you know, and what are, you know, what are the chances that they're going to make it? And then at that point, you, you know, you sit back and you think, well, it, well, if there's a better shot of them making that, you know, um, you know, based on their mechanics, well, you know, well, then they're going to go slightly higher. Um, so, yeah, so, um, so, but like the goaltenders that I, you know, that I really, really liked, um, you know, those were Maxim Mayorov, uh, um, he was taken by the Dallas Stars. Uh, Ty Young, he was taken by the, the uh, I think he was taken by Vancouver. I'm pretty sure he was taken by Vancouver. With Ty Young, was, um, so he kind of did like a half and a half because he was doing a half BCAHL, half WHL season last year. And, um, and it's because, it, so it's because he belonged to, I'm sorry, um, sorry, his WHL rights were, um, are owned by Prince George. And so pretty sure Prince George had, uh, a combo of Taylor Gauthier and Tyler Brennan last year. And what happened was, well, Ty Young doesn't really have a role then because, well, you know, well, you, you, well, you basically have like those, 
I'm sorry. Yeah. Cause you basically have like those guys like, you know, like locked up as your, you know, as your number one and number two. And so you don't really need to carry three goalies, you know, unless, you know, unless someone gets, gets hurt. So at that point, you know, your third, you know, your third guy ends up going to go, um, you know, grab minutes wherever he can. So at that point he goes to, to the BCHL. So I, I tracked his BCHL and his the, the WHL games and lo- loved him. And I was just like, no one's talking about him, but you know, he's a guy that I feel like he. So know, when you're, like, when you're tracking here, what, what are you tracking? I'm guessing that would be a good starting point to understand sure. and, and fill our listeners here with an idea of, okay, I'm watching, but what am I looking for? What do I find valuable enough to track? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, so I, I, yeah, so I mainly track speed and rebound control. Um, and so, um, and so in terms of speed, I do, um, so I do up down time and side to side time. Um, so, um, yeah, so, I mean, I'm mainly looking for, you know, the, you know, the speedier goaltenders, you know, that, um, you know, um, you know, that can make those 10 bell saves, you know, that can, um, you know, that can react well to puck movement, um, you know, and so, yeah. And so that's why I value those, um, you know, speedy goaltenders. Um, and then when you look at the rebound control, um, you know, it, you know, it really comes down to this, you know, when, um, you know, when goal, you know, when goaltenders are facing shots from low danger, are they controlling, um, sorry, are they controlling the rebounds and pushing them to low danger or, you know, or are those pucks ending up in high danger or medium danger areas? And if they're ending up in high and medium danger areas, more, I mean, more often than not, that's not a good thing. Um, so, you know, so, you know, so you definitely want to see um, a significantly higher uh, you know, low, uh, sort of low danger rebound control rate, you know, versus a, uh, sort of versus a medium and high. Um, so yeah, so those, yeah, so those are like the main two things that I track, um, uh, glove, glove saves too. Um, and, um, and yeah, and I, I'm constantly looking to add more and more to it. Um, but yeah, but those, yeah, but those are the things that I have, uh, tracked over the last two years. Fascinating. And did you start tracking beforehand or like what pushed you to track? And were you like, I'm sick and I can't find what I'm looking for. And that's where you started tracking or how did that come about? I just, you know, I mean, at points like I, you know, like I was about to write a goaltender report and, you know, there was not a lot of data out there. And unfortunately, you know, goals against average and save percentage. Well, I tell you very, very little about the goaltender. I mean, like, you know, obviously, you know, you like, obviously you want a higher, you know, save percentage and a lower goals against average, but, you know, you know, but in certain situations, just because a goaltender, you know, has like a 2.62 goals against average, well, that doesn't mean he's bad. So like, you know, it's, you know, so I, you know, so I got to the point where I was just like, Eh, there's no data out there and like you know and and like i i started to see like more and more data around like expected goals but but you know like but again that doesn't tell me a lot so like i really really want to get into the more granular data um and really dissect the goaltender um and so and so initially i just thought hey speed and rebound control those make sense to me. And so that's, um, and so that's what I went with. Athleticism is great. Speed is better. Yep. So, <laughs> so, so goaltending seems to be where you, you started cutting your teeth, but obviously you've moved beyond that. Uh, and you started to look at players. So what are you looking for when you're watching a player? Like what sticks out to you? <sighs> Yeah, so I mean, like, there's a lot of things that you know really stick out to me, um, you know. But I'm, you know, but I mean, I'm mainly looking for you know players that can really develop high danger chances, um, and um, you know, and 
um, you know, and have great puck manipulation or, um, you know, and, or, um, you know, and, or use whatever space is given to them. So, you know, I love it when players are, you know, are looking to, you know, complete passes underneath the triangle, um, you know, and, you know, and to, you know, and to use whatever space is given to them. And so, one of the guys that I that I loved, um, you know, that I loved last year was Adam Sakura, who the New York who the New York Rangers took, and when and when he was limited on space, he used whatever he had, and I loved it. Like like that's like I love those qualities. Like like I and um, you know and defensively, you know, off you know of course you know. Uh, qualities like gap control um you know uh how you know how assertive players are you know in terms of taking away space um you know are you know are players scanning um you know because um you know because you really really want you know your um um you know you like your player scanning and you know and always keeping their head up you know looking for um, you know, looking for potential threats, um, you know, and, um, you know, and I also, you know, and I also love, um, you know, great speed, you know, um, you know, and players that forecheck, um, extremely well, like, um, like one of my favorite, um, sorry, like one of the, my favorite players that I've been, um, sorry, one of the, my favorite players that I've, that I've enjoyed watching and, you know, and scouting over like the last few years has been Lucas Raymond. And, um, I remember when I sat down to write his report and I think I, like, I, I can't, I can't, um, I like, I said something about like his speed being like, like, sort of like his speed and his activation just make, just like, just make him so impressive. Um, you know, um, you know, in terms of what he can do from a forechecking perspective, like he's like, you know, like he angles himself well, you know, his, um, you know, his activation off the, you know, off the hop, like he's like, he's very quick to adapt to puck movement and like, you know, and like, and those qualities, like I also saw in Liam Ogren last year, you know, so like I, you know, so I like, I really, really like good checking like you know like i like i i i understand the importance of the physicality piece but at the same point i'm also okay if players are less sure at the junior level you know if you know if they should be physical or not and then you know and then grow on that and develop that later on like you know it doesn't you know if if a, if a player doesn't have that physical gear like okay it's something to work on every every player has something to work on so it's just you know so you know so for you know so for that player you know it's just a matter of you know finding that physical edge but you know if you know but if they're skating you know all you know allows them to be a you know a true pest on like the forecheck well they all they can always get that physicality piece later so I, so I love guys like Lucas Raymond. Um, yeah, his, yeah, his full, full his full four checking game is just great. And then on top of that, um, you know, I, you know, I just love come, like, I, I just love compete level. You know, I, you know, I, I love, you know, I love guys, you know, um, you know, looking to scan, um, you know, and identifying, uh, you know, vulnerable puck. Uh, carriers um so yeah so i mean like there's like there's a, a lot of things that i that i look for but you know when i'm looking for a forward um you know with you know with high upside you know the big you know the you know the biggest things that i look for well and i don't know why i said just forward because you know because the offensemen do like you know i you know i'm looking for you know, I, I'm looking for skaters to use whatever space is given to them. Like, you know, like go underneath the triangle or, you know, or use, you know, or use the boards in transition 
you know, and, you know, and push the puck off them. Like, you know, I, you know, like I, I saw that a lot in Seth Jarvis uh, during his NHL draft year. Like I like, and, and Seth Jarvis is awesome. So like, and I just loved his transitional play. Like it was outstanding and like use whatever space you got. Yeah. That's, that's my kind of hockey player. Well, what, what about those that make space for themselves? That too. That too. I, I feel like that's, that's even better because there's yes. so many good ways to do it. And you don't even need to have size. Like Johnny Goudreau is an ex- excellent example. Like he'll be strong side winger. He'll just like starts getting out. Like he's going to get behind a guy. And as soon as the guy starts to look the other way or stops up, like he'll just hit the brakes and he just afforded himself like a whole zone worth of oh, space. Yeah. Like it's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, like, and you know, and you look at last year's draft, and I saw a lot of that in Jonathan Lakarimaki. Like, you know, his, you know, his stick handling in, you know, very, very tight you know, situations. Like, you know, like he, you know, like he was able to get himself out, out of that, you know, in, um, uh, you know, in drive himself to, uh, to medium and high danger. And like, and I saw a lot of that uh, in Jonathan Lakarimaki. And uh, yeah, and, and yeah, and I absolutely love watching him do that. And um, and you know, so far I've seen Callum Ritchie do that at you know as well too. And and he's a, a he's a 2023 guy. Um, and yeah, and I yeah, and I, I love it when guys have you know um, excellent hands um, and quality stick handling. You know that they can use you know to get around. Um, you know, rather you know rather uh, you know rather tightly defended uh s- situations in the offensive zone. Lecker Maki's a great example. Um I'm in a, a long standing feud with uh Scouch and McGilligan. And <laughs> uh, that was that was my guy. I'm like I think Lecker Maki, then Ogren, and then Oslin. I mean they're all fantastic. So yeah they don't get me yeah. wrong. But yeah. like if I had to pick and you're putting you know me on the spot that that's where I'm heading. So I like where your head's at. I mean, Liam yeah. Ogram was a very interesting example of a player because he looks more physically developed than the other two. So mm-hmm. traditional thinking would say, okay, Oslin's furthest behind. He's got great skills. You know, why shouldn't that kid catch up physically and then be beyond those other two players? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And I'm curious because I've got my own biases and thoughts on this, but I, I'll let you go first of why, okay, an Ogram who's got great size might be the one who actually has more potential, even though he might be physically developed first. Yeah. Yeah. So I, yeah. So with Liam Algren, you're really, really, um, so you really, really want that physicality to, um, you know, to, you know, to really start presenting itself, um, you know, because, you know, because as I, you know, cause as I just said, it's really that missing piece with I me mean, with him because, you know his his for his forechecking is good. He has excellent size. He has you know he is he has great reach, but you know he's just missing that physical edge. Um, you know, and once you know, and once he's got it, he's going to pop. Um, so yeah, so I'm very very much looking forward. Um, you know to you know to what is next in uh, Liam Ogren's development there. Um, you know, and then you look at uh, and then you look at Jonathan Lakarimaki. And, you know, and, you know, and I love his puck control, um, you know, his, you know, his hands, his shot, you know, um, you know, and he's got, and he's got a solid shot off the rush too. Um, and then with Noah and then with Noah, I just love his, I just love his playmaking and, um, you know, and what, and what's funny though, is that a lot of people will talk about how Liam Ogren you know, is, um, you know, is, you know, you know, is a, you know, is, is very much a power forward, but he also has those play, but he also has playmaking instincts too. And so, um, you know, and so, you know, and so it was, it was a, it was a difficult to debate for me because, you know, because I, you know, cause I love the playmaking ability that Noah Olson has. And I still think Noah Olson's playmaking ability is, is stronger than Liam's. Um, and so, you know, and so that's why I would have, and so that's why I would have taken Noah higher. Um, but I, but, 
Um, you know, but I, but I definitely get why people would take Liam over him. So, and I, and I like both, and I like both players. And if I was working for a team that took Liam Ogram, I would be happy, like very, like very, very, very happy because, you know, because like I, because like, I know that there is an NHL player there. I know. So I'm, so I am happy, you know, I mean, you know, so I would be rather happy, you know, knowing, you know, knowing, you know, knowing that my team, you know, took someone, you know, that I am very, very confident in, you know, in them growing into an, an NHL player. So, yeah. Yeah. And and for me, like he has so many little soft skills, like he doesn't just go with the big stuff. I'm bigger than you and play that. Yeah. You know, like I, I remember him beating a goalie. I think it was the U18s. Um, I mean, it's U18. So if he does it at the NHL, then it's like, okay, we got something real special. But I mean, that already <laughs> shows something crazy where you're like, Here's like the face-off dot, and he beat a goalie on the ice. Yep. Like yep. that that should not happen. And the <laughs> fact that he was able to fool the goalie well enough or time it out, like yep. there's so many elements that go into it that you're able to do that. Because no, what kid at the age of 17 or 18 is like, you know what, I want to shoot on the ice today. No, they're all going <laughs> over the net and trying to shoot as high as humanly possible. Yeah. Uh, so I think that just shows off like little details and nuances to a game that is there. And those small skills add up. And if you look at the NHL, like there's not much space. Like you need to have those small, I forget what most people call, it, but I always call it like the 10 foot game. Like you need to yep. have something where you can play in 10 feet around yourself and make slip passes, work triangle, all that. Yep. And it's such a massive separator uh, yep. at the highest level that not everyone has it. Some just cannot develop it all together. But if you can get it, man, is it. Yeah, it is so valuable in so many shapes and forms and so many different situations. Yeah, and then I mean, like, and then you watch a guy like Connor Bedard, and you know, and I, you know, and I just saw him. Yeah, I just saw him live, and um, you know, and what I and what I enjoy so much about Connor is like, you know, like as soon as he gets that little space, he takes it. He is lightning fast. Like his um you know, like his decision-making is, is so, is so fast. And that is exactly what you want in a NHL player. You do not want like, you know, I mean, you know, you do not want players that, you know, take a little bit more time in terms of, you know, trying to process, you know, what exactly is their, you know, is their next move. Instead, you want a, you want a player that, I mean, like, sorry, like you, you want a player that knows his next few moves, like, you know, like he, you know, like you want a player that's going to be able to adapt to whatever is coming to him. And, you know, and of course there are a lot of times where, you know, where, you know, where players cannot get all, all around it, but, you know, and, you know, and players are going, you know, players are going to do that. I mean, that's, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, that's the game, but, you know, but it's the players that, but it's the players that capitalize on those, um, you know, on, you know, on those tight, I'm sorry, on those tight open spaces, um, you know, that, um, you know, that I, you know, that I, you know, that I just love seeing in a, a hockey player. And, you know, and I, you know, and I see that quite a bit in Connor. Yeah, it's like there's just some players that build these mental maps, um, the ones that scan and build the mental maps, like, the next move is so obvious to them. Like they can't imagine playing slower. Johnny yep. Boudreau, Bedard. Uh, I mean, obviously a Crosby, like all of these guys. It's just so odd. Like the game seems easy, but I'm assuming yep. cause it's just so obvious to them. Like, well, yeah, I looked and I already know where all other nine guys are on the ice, where they're going, their handedness, how tired they are in shift. Like they built up all of this information where it's like, make the move, go, or I need to move my feet. Boom. Or maybe I need to make an area pass. It's just a fascinating situation when you can see a player that has that because they're just going to go to the moon. It's it's like watching a player at like 16 or 17. You're like, yeah, that kid's an NHLer. Like you just tell. <laughs> yeah. um, now, there's lots of late bloomers, but there's some kids that just have that where the game's obvious to them and they're able to build mental maps. And, and that's something that a lot of players can go towards. Now, obviously, you know, the NHLers and the Hall of Famers, you know, they're freaks in, in some shape or form. Uh, to be at that level, 
but there's no reason why people can't be more aware, or even just like in your life, like be more aware of your surroundings at all times. And that'll mm-hmm. lead to a, onto a rink. And now you're playing fast yep. and it has nothing to do with your feet. Yep. yep. Like I, I just love that kind of, kind of stuff and that kind of player. And uh, it kind of reminds me of like a William Eklund, uh, mm-hmm. like the kid, it was super fast and he was quick on it. And the better his teammates are, the better he plays. That, because they're actually moving and getting open and creating space. And yeah. He may not be the best at creating it for himself just based on like size and speed. But when he gets with guys that know what he's doing, I feel like like those like players like him elevate the better their teammates are. Yep. Yep. And yep. And with him, I mean he's I mean, like he's got that deceptive play you know, about you know, about him too, where you know, where he you know where he gives you that perfectly timed back. Um, I'm sorry, um, uh, sorry, behind the back pass, and like, and it's perfect, and and yeah, and and I, you know, and I love seeing that out of players, um, and you know, and speaking about William, um, you know, I, you know, I saw that um a lot in uh, um in another uh year garden prospect. Um, but um, sorry, but from this past draft class in Calais Odelius. Um, so and um, you know, and w- while we're talking about you know Lackery Maki and Ogren and Noah Osland, you know Calais, you know I you know I definitely saw a f- first round player there, and you know and I um, you know and I and and I was I, I was definitely shocked at you know at how you know at at how far he fell because he has got that de- like he's like he's got that de- deceptive play about him and you know and the more that and the more that your puck moving defender you know keeps you I'm sorry keeps your attackers on their toes you know um you know the better his upside capability is and so um you know and, and so i love the deceptiveness um you know that i saw out of cali yeah there's a lot of good players and uh anyone who reads the hockey iq newsletter knows i'm very biased about seamus casey and i think he's one of these kids oh yeah who just thinks the game different um another kid who's maybe a little bit different even just how he trains uh david goyet do you know much about him yeah. Yeah. So I, um, yeah, so I love, um, I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah, so I love their, I'm sorry. I love David Goyette last year. Um, you know, he's, um, you know, he's very, very good off the rush. Um, you know, and, um, you know, but like the one, you know, but like my one bone to pick with David was that, you know, more times than not, he was taking that extra pass and, um, you know, and when he was taking that extra pass, it was just, you know, I mean, like, I mean, like the angling of the pass in the teammate of, you know, mean where, you know, where he was passing to, he, he pretty much lost that high to medium danger, uh, op, like opportunity. And so I wanted to see David Goyette, um, you know, take, you know, uh, sort of take the shot more and more, um, but you know, but like he, I mean, but like you know, but like that is something that you know that is something that he can definitely work on. And I, you know, and I very and I and I love that the Seattle and I I love the Seattle Kraken took him, you know, because um you know because especially for where they took because I think it was the third rounder and you know the I mean because I, I mean because like we had David yet much much higher um so David yet. I can't remember off the top of my head, but he was in that 30 to 40 range. I'm pretty sure. And so, yeah. And so getting, and so getting him in the, the in the third round, great, great value as well as the Kraken took uh, Fergus uh, at the top of the second round. And man, that kid has got a, quite a shot and he, and talk about deception. Jagger, and sorry, Jagger Fergus gives you that. And it's just, and so, yeah, so I, so I also love their, uh, yeah. So I also love the, uh, the Seattle draft from last year. Yeah. And, and I think, I think Goyette for me is, is an interesting prospect because 
while every kid wants to, you know, prove their weaknesses, so like, oh, someone identified a weakness, I need to get better at it. And be this great all-around player. Uh, he was a kid who was like, I'm really good at speed and my skating, and I'm going to go get better at my speed and my skating. Mm-hmm. Like, he's unbelievable, like, how he's going about his own development. Because everyone owns their own development. At the end of the day, they are responsible for it. And players that I think think the game a little bit different, do things a little bit different, have an advantage from someone who just does the same thing that everyone's telling them to do. Or, you know, I just go, I lift weights and I get bigger. Okay, well, why? What are you trying to accomplish here? Um, and I, I think that often gets overlooked is the off-ice component of it. Like, you think about Del Bell Blues. Like, he put himself to work with uh, Gary Roberts out of St. Catherine. So, like, you know, he's doing things on his own volition. Like, Gary Roberts doesn't let just anyone in. Like, you have to have a certain makeup about you. And guys like that uh, have an advantage on development. Because at the end of the day, uh, it's really a learning competition. How fast can you learn and turn things into athletic feel and have the ability to scan the ice and get better? So it's like, it's great when players are good, but understanding how well they learn, I think, is an underrated element. And a lot of it has to do with how they match, you know, their maturation cycle is off the ice. Yep. Yep. And yep, and completely all agreed. So it's these these players like figuring out how well they learn, how well they play the game, and these not just like playing the game, but the mental game that goes over a full three periods. Like I love players that start to get better as the game goes on. Uh, you can teach a little bit of consistency. You're going to get it as you mature, anyways. But like guys that are able to dominate in those third periods, I mean, there's a conditioning component if you're physically a little bit behind or like coach explaining you too much like there may be that but just the idea of having those layers to your game or just like playing the mental game with the opposition and you're just slowly but surely gaining the advantage like that should like those things i look at um personally as as a talent evaluator because i think Mm -hmm. that shows something that it's really hard to understand unless you're in the ring you're talking to the player talking to their coach their advisors whatever to really get an understanding of how well these kids are going to develop into the future and who's going to develop faster because really that's the competitive advantage. Um, and yeah. Ari St. Louis was on this podcast and said the same thing. I, I wasn't the best. I was the best at getting better. And those are the guys I try to find. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, like it's who, yeah, it's who can, it's who can generate high chances during, you know, like, you know, like during like high pressure minutes. Yeah. Like that, like exactly. All agreed. Yeah. And like, for example, Mitch Marner was a classic example uh, yes. in his draft year. Like, I felt like every time it came to the third period, like, all right, how, how many is he going to get? One or two? <laughs> yep. Minimum. Yep. Yep. So I'm looking for those types of things. Uh, I was talking with an NHL head of, well, he's basically the director of scouting. And I'm like, look, I don't have the time to do it like you do. Like, as great as it would be. <laughs> you know how can i kind of like shortcut it without like shortcutting it too bad and like my whole thing was like all right I just go to third periods like <laughs> i can i can watch three separate games kind of get an idea of how he's feeling that night uh definitely not doing it all the way through but also it's not my full-time gig so yep. same thing happens when i'm going into a rink and i'm scouting a player for college or i'm looking at a player for moving on to the next level whatever that may be for my my own teams or someone else's teams like who shows up in the third? Like who's still running and gunning, giving it all? Like you don't want to be that guy. Like the, I think it was Wayne Gretzky said yeah. it with the Islanders. Like, after we got done and we got beat for the cup, like you went and passed the New York Islanders locker room and they were dead. They could not play another minute. And we felt like we could play another game. And like finding that <laughs> that level, uh, that level of commitment is massive. And yeah. it's, it's amazing to see in players and who has it, who may not have it. I don't know. Do you have any uh, any little shortcuts or just things you you really key in on? Something like that? Uh, to be honest, not uh, uh, to, to, to be honest, not off the top of my head. Um, you just watch a lot of hockey. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, I mean, like the only thing that I can, that I can really, really, really think of is I generally don't watch power play minutes. Um, so I so. I love the power play as a fan, as a scout, it's very different. And my team constantly makes fun of me for this, but um, 
because like when because like whenever they like put in like a 5v4 or like 5v3 clip or uh, or sorry or a 4v3 clip i'm just kind of like well the player had so much space in front of him like like you know i expect players to do that so like i you know like i you know like i expect those you know players you know if you know if they have a tremendous amount of space in front of them to use that space Otherwise, why are they in the NHL? So, um, so well, actually, I take that back. Why are they playing power play minutes in the in the NHL? So, um, yeah, that's yeah, that's what I yeah, that's what I meant to say. And so, you know, and so I and so I really really look for you know who mean you know, who is dominating at, you know, at 5v5 play because in, you know, because most of the time, you know, you are playing 5v5 hockey. So it's, you know, so I mean, so at the end, I mean, so at the end of like the day, I am looking for the players that generate the most, I mean, sorry, the most high danger opportunities at 5v5 and high, sorry, higher, high, and and medium danger um so yeah so like because you know because like it doesn't really matter how how many shots you get on net from low danger because you know i mean you know because there's there's a reason why it's called low danger like i mean you know it's you know it's easy for goaltenders and defenders you know to um you, you know to silence that um sorry to silence that shot and you know and take the puck away cleanly so yeah so i'm always looking for guys that are you know generating um you know um you know more and more high and medium danger um you know and especially guys you know that can use that um sorry that have very very good processing um you know and you know and constant and constantly keep their head moving um, you know, and looking for those, um, you know, opportunities, especially, you know, whether or not they can generate those opportunities, you know, when, um, you know, when facing heavy pressure and yeah. So those, yeah. So those are, and so those are things that I'm really, that I'm really, really, you know, looking, uh, to, um, you know, looking to find, you know, add for five V five and, you know, and and when you're watching five v four, five five v three, or you know, or four v three hockey, you know, there's just a lot of space. So you know, so I expect players to, uh, you know, so I expect players to, to to do well there. And it doesn't really, and it and it doesn't really tell me a lot if I sit there and you know and watch a lot of it. But you know, but then at you know, but then at the same point. You know, when you're, you know, when you're watching, you know, these guys play 5v5 hockey, you know, when, you know, when, you know, when they're creating space for, you know, themselves using, you know, their stick handling and using their reach, you know, then, you know, you know, then they're able to create those same opportunities that, you know, that everybody looks for on the power play. So just because I'm not, you know, just just because I don't love watching the power play, does you know you know doesn't mean that i'm you know not you know that i'm not finding players that are that are power play capable you know i mean like if players if players are finding space for themselves at 5v5 they're gonna find space for themselves at 5v4 like like yeah skip skipping power play uh i always crack up when i forget like a highlight package from the player and they're like oh i gotta check out my son and like it's all power play stuff like (laughs) Yep. yep. You're, you're telling me literally absolutely nothing other than you're wasting my time because no, no duh. Like you should be. I'm like glad you got, you got the ice time, but at the same point, like it's a lot easier. And yep. a lot of times it's, it's not even showing manipulation on a power play. Like, Oh, your defenseman who dragged it over faked and then walked around a guy like, okay, that would show a little something. It's never that it's like a pass through a guy for one time. Okay. Yeah. Round like, <laughs> Yeah, like as yeah, like as a like as a scout, yes, like you know, I'd rather like, see a penalty kill. Like, show me your penalty kill. Yeah. I'll see your compete, and I'll see your like your cheekiness and getting sticks and good lanes and trying to disrupt and you know messing with the the penalty, you know the power play. 
Yeah, and I like, and I was just uh, about to say, like, as a scout, I value the power play less and like less and less when scouting. But if I were a coach, completely different. You know, like I, you know, like I understand the value of having a good, you know, of having a good power play system, and you know, identifying you know, those players, you know, that are going to, um, you know, that are going to play well in my power play system. But, you know, from a scouting perspective, that's not, you know, that's not my job. So I, you know, so I, you know, so I'm confident if, you know, if Yonatan Lakarimaki is, you know, if he's able to create space for himself, you know, 5v5, I am, I am very, very, I am uber confident, you know, that, you know, that he's going to be able to create that space for himself at, you know, at 5v4 play. Awesome. Well, Josh, this was a a wonderful time. Thanks for uh, hopping on the podcast. Uh, Two minutes, anything you want to plug, chat about, whatever, uh, happy to do so. Thanks again for coming on. This was wonderful. Yeah, man. And, uh, and thank you, Greg, so much for having me on. Um, yeah, you can, uh, you can follow me at, uh, Josh Tesler. Um, my last name is spelled T E S S L E R. And then there, and then there's an underscore after the R, um, and smart scouting is at smart scouting. Um, and, and I've got a group of 10 or 11. I, I forget off the top of my head now. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, so, but yeah, so we scout globally, um, and, um, you know, and, you know, and, and, and we're, and we're going to have our first set of rankings come out in November. Um, and, and we're, we're going to start pushing out reports probably in de- de- December. Um, so yeah, so, um, so yeah, so over the next month, my, uh, you know, my team is hard at work, you know, watching as much hockey as possible. Um, and, you know, and getting ready for the, uh, top 32, uh, release uh, in November. And, uh, and once again, Greg, thank you so much for having me on. Um, uh, it, it was a blast and, uh, and, um, and I, and I'm sure you're going to remind me in a bit that I, that I owe you the Seamus Casey trade because I took him from you. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Too funny. No, appreciate it, my man. You take care. Yeah, man. And thank you so much, buddy. That concludes this week's episode. Thanks for joining us here at Hockey IQ. If you haven't already, take a quick moment to hit that subscribe button, give us a thumbs up, and drop a review. If you want to be a great teammate, even recommend us to a friend. You can follow us at Hockey's Arsenal on Twitter and Instagram. Check out the website, hockeysarsenal.com, where you can subscribe to the weekly newsletter. You won't regret it. Catch a Buttes here next week for a brand new episode.